Hello! If you're hearing this, that means you get the internet. And if you get the internet, that means you can watch the live stream of the live show that we just did recently. We did a half the Noose Olympian, half Potterless live stream live in North Carolina, and it was an absolute blast for TNO. We did the first two chapters of the first book in the Heroes of Olympus series. And for Potterless, we did an improvised Big Brother format where we put a bunch of Harry Potter pets in a battle to see which magical pet would reign supreme. The video has gorgeous visuals and crisp audio, and it's a multi-cam set up so it feels very dynamic like you were there you can watch that stream until march 17th at 11 59 p.m and you can get tickets at my website shubes s-c-h-u-b.es slash tour again that is s-c-h-u-b.es slash tour to watch the replay of the half potterless half the new Olympian live show that we did recently i hope you enjoy it What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined, as always, by my trusted co-host, the dropping out of the U.S. men's basketball team for the World Cup to being a star player, Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? I'm focusing on development of young players this year. It's a very fun thing that's happening with that there's a FIBA World Cup of basketball it's not that hard to win so America doesn't try very hard a lot of star players leave because it's the offseason and they don't get paid but it's fun because the first wave is people withdrawing because it's not worth their time but then the second wave is people withdrawing before they get cut like Marvin Bagley just did that he's like oh I can't I gotta focus on the season it's like dog you weren't gonna make the team I just didn't know that NBA players were as impressionable as like 11 year olds picking what summer camp they want to go to mm. I did not know that Kyle Lowry was that susceptible to peer pressure yeah it's just the ultimate you can't fire me I quit situation but alas here we are in the NBA offseason before we get ready to talk about some fun NBA and WNBA stuff we got to take a little break and get all prepped up in the Teal Memorial locker room nah Teal's not dead actually I would like to call this the Teal and Gavin Memorial locker room neither of them are dead Uh because we are recording this in Orlando and I did not have a microphone so Gavin thank you for letting me use your microphone I have my microphone congratulations shout out to me great (laughs) do we have new patrons we do we have two new patrons hello David Tress and Charlotte Rattay you are joining our Patreon team and the producer level patrons Brianne Wingate Berger Skylar Jorgensen Gladiator Vader Adam Hartwick Ross Papa Akano Cody Powell, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, James Harden went to Arizona State, Hufflepuff Hillary, Samantha Rose, Catherine Lee, and Polly Burridge. You go to Orlando and you don't sweat at all, even though it's like a swamp outside. The Mm. whole thing is a swamp. Mm -hmm. Man, swamps. Gotta love them. You know what else I love? Sponsors. Who's sponsoring the show? We have two sponsors this week. That's 100% more than usual. The first one, you might recognize them, is Wix.com. Wix.com. What a service. They do great stuff. The horse website is very pretty. And that's thanks to Wix. And if you're in the off-season of your job, if you have an off-season, and you just want to take some time for yourself to make something creative, you could look into making a website. And Wix makes that super simple. They have over 400 templates to choose from, a lot of different options that you can do with that. So if you're trying to show off your photography skills or your portfolio or your resume or just make something for fun or make it for your podcast, there's all the different templates to get you started. They have all the different themes, which make picking the colors really easily. And what's great about Wix is that your free trial does not have a time limit. And then when you're ready to jump up to Wix Premium, you can. And with Horse, you can get a discount. You can go to horsehoops.com slash Wix for 10% 
10% off your premium plan, which is 10% off an affordable price, but that's even more affordable. And you can get cool features like you can link it with a domain name or get email services and stuff like that. So again, go to horsehoops.com slash Wix, click the link and get 10% off Wix premium today. Now our other sponsor, Mike, it's like these two things go hand in hand. Mm. You love making a website on the other hand, but what if you need to log into a website and you cannot remember your password? Oh no, what will I do? Well, you can use Dashlane, which is a password management app that keeps all of your online information safe, secure, and easy to access. I like all of those things. <laughs> you know, sometimes I can't remember all of the different exclamation points I put in all of my passwords. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the beginning, sometimes it's the end, sometimes it's all the way through. But Dashlane remembers the passwords so you don't have to. Dashlane also autofills all of your login information, which, like, is the most annoying part about this version of the internet, is, like, remembering all of your old email addresses and which email address you have, and which password is to which one. Yeah, I find it very annoying that there's not a straight-up standard thing where passwords have to this because some will be like you need a special character and then other ones will say you can't have a special character why <laughs> well dashlane can help you out because if you go to dashlane.com course you can get dashlane premium for free on your first device you get a 30-day free trial of dashlane premium which includes a vpm dark web monitoring and more so use the code HORSE at checkout to save 10% off on your premium subscription and go to Dashlane at dashlane.com slash horse. So now we're all ready to go. We got our clothes on. Our shoes are tied up. We're ready to hit the court. And we're going to hit that court with our first segment that we like to call Full Court Press. Get it? Like news. Oh, I just opened up my hotel room and I picked up a newspaper and it says horse at the top of it. Yes, we have taken over USA Today, which somehow has the monopoly on hotel newspapers. <laughs> USA Today, come on and sponsor our show. We love your colorful graphics. Love that. That's all I know about <laughs> USA Today. So it is still the NBA offseason. Not much is happening, but the WNBA season is in full swing. And swing was a very intentional word choice because there was a big fight recently. Yeah. And it's sending ripples throughout the league. We don't condone fighting, but like fighting is cool. I don't know. I don't know it's, how to square those things. We are not pro fighting, but this doesn't happen in the WNBA a lot. And it, you know, people scrapping is entertaining. Like, I don't yeah, know what to sure. say. But we're not pro fighting. Mike has been asked to go <laughs> to take it outside three times. And you know who didn't want to take it outside? Me. And Brittany Griner, who kept it inside and did the swinging. Yes. So this took place in a game between the Phoenix Mercury, who Diana Taurasi plays for, as well as Brittany Griner. And they were playing against the Dallas Wings. So what happened was going for a rebound. Brittany Griner, who's very tall. Very large human being. She Notoriously got... <laughs> tall person, Brittany Grider. <laughs> she got tangled up with Christine Anigwe from Dallas. They were going for the rebound. Anigwe yanked her arm, and then it looked like she swung in frustration towards Griner's head. And Brittany Griner did not take well to this. She went right back at her, trying to hit Anigwe. Anigwe kind of ran away. Not in the good, normal... Good call. I mean, yes. Smart. She's Brittany Grinder's very large and very strong. You that have to run away because her arms are go that far. You literally have to run away. So she started to run away, which ended up being bad for Grinder because Grinder chased after her, which <laughs> is not a good look if you're trying to not get suspended from the NBA. And there were five total players that got suspended for this fight. Anigwe and Kayla Thornton from the Wings got suspended for two games. The league announced the punishment and put particular things behind them. So Griner, who got suspended for three games, was given it for, quote, throwing punches, escalating the incident, and pushing Thornton's face with an open hand. Which, 
I, I just like the way pushing works. I've never pushed something with a closed hand. Like it's called a punch. <laughs> that's the thing. It just seems very strange that they had to say pushing Thornton's face with an open hand because pushing it with a closed hand would be punching. That would be hurtful <laughs> in a differently, totally different way. Anigwe got suspended for, quote, instigating the initial altercation and for taking an open-handed swing at Griner. Instigating the, what was it? Instigating the initial altercation yes. is on my business card. <laughs> Thornton's suspension was for, quote, escalating the altercation. Also, Diana Taurasi of the Mercury and Kayla Davis of the Wings each got one game for just leaving the bench area. We've talked about, and it's like a big deal in the NBA, just to try to keep people from fighting. Like if you got off the bench, you were immediately hit with a suspension. It's silly because I watched this a bunch. We'll put the link to the YouTube video on the episode page of horsehoops.com. But like, I saw that Diana got suspension and I was trying to figure out what she did she wasn't fighting and I don't think you should get suspended just for trying to keep the peace but here we are so Griner did not enjoy the suspension very well she ended up being very vocal about being dissatisfied with the WNBA basically saying that the only reason that she's still playing in the league is because she loves her team the Phoenix Mercury and the people that she plays with she does not care about the league as a whole she did say in a very spicy interview after the fact that quote the W don't do nothing got him <laughs> We've talked about complaints with the WNBA not providing a lot for the players, and this feels not great because this would have happened in the NBA. So I don't think that this is the point to get mad at the WNBA. You tried to fight people on the court. You get suspended. That's just how professional basketball works. This is not the time and place to say, oh, the WNBA isn't supporting me. It's like, yeah, I mean, you tried to punch people. Like, <laughs> there are rules. I want to get paid more so I can punch people and get <laughs> penalized for it. I think the weirdest part of it was the fine that was attached with everything. Mm -hmm. Everyone got a $500 fine, which is weird because that's like what you get for like peeing in an alley. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, that's really low. But of course, that's consummate with WNBA salaries. So it's much lower than you would see in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. It feels both like unnecessary and like too much at the same time, yeah. which is a bad place. And I think that's where the WNBA as an institution existing right now, which is just like bad on all, all accounts. Yeah, I think the problem could be I can't remember in recent memory a WNBA altercation to this level. Mm -hmm. And I think that in the NBA, we've gotten to a point where there's enough altercations or people yelling at fans, whatever, where there is standard like, oh, if you yell at a fan, it costs $25,000. If you criticize the officials, it's $25,000. Maybe it could be a thing where the WNBA doesn't have a set practice of like, here's the infraction, here's the money. Hopefully this can just create some sort of discourse and make things a little bit better. It's an unfortunate situation. And the worst thing of all of it is when you have talking heads on ESPN or other channels bashing Brittany Griner for being upset. If this happened in the NBA, people would not be talking down on it. But there was a lot of seeming entitledness by these people who are just on sports shows. And that made me feel upset about it. Like this happens in the NBA all the time. So we don't need to be harsher on Brittany Griner just because she's a woman, which is what's happening. And right. that's gross. Right. I mean, like people swing on each other all the time. And like that, it wasn't even that bad. No, it was like a regular NBA fight, which would have got suspensions. So right. don't act all high and mighty because a woman did it. Right. Because women aren't allowed to be violent and you know, in an athletic game, which they weren't even supposed to be playing in the first place. Mm -hmm. But that's what happened in full court press. It's not as happy. I want to talk about happier stuff. So, Eric, can you please lead us to a happy segment for that actually happened? Oh, I do have a happy segment. Mike, I've been sitting on this for so long because I had two three-on-threes in a row, mm -hmm. and I'm so goddamn excited. Michael Schubert. Yes. Did you know there was a possibility that Michael Jordan could have been seriously injured from a samurai sword when he was in college? I had not heard of this, and I'm really excited. <laughs> 
I gave up on this story weeks ago. I need to share it with you. I'm very excited to hear it. All right. This story mostly comes from the Chicago sports writer, Danelle Alexander. It came from an article that was published in 93. It was called Gash Almighty. Is Gash Almighty a pun? The only thing I can think of right now is Bruce Almighty. <laughs> I don't know. And this I don't predates know. that film, certainly. <laughs> I would definitely say so. It's the spring of 1982. Michael Jordan is a freshman in North Carolina. And Dallas evangelist Bill Glass is trying to have a stop on his Wild West ministry tour. And he asks Dean Smith, who's the coach of North Carolina, if there's anybody who he knows who could kind of beef up the act. And he's like, no, well, no, all these football players are like busy and all this stuff. Bill Glass, as an evangelist, he goes to different places all over the country. And sometimes it goes into correctional facilities mm. to like do like a, a ministry scared straight sort of thing. Okay. Uh, at the time, Dean Smith was like, yeah, do you know this kid, Michael Jordan? He's pretty cool. And of course, no one knew who he was at the, at the time because he was just like, oh, he's just this freshman. But then Michael Jordan hit a championship winning shot during March Madness of that year. Oh, and then everyone found out about him. <laughs> so there's like, oh, great. So Michael Jordan goes to the Triangle Correctional Facility where they're having this ministry program and all of the inmates are like, yo, that's Michael Jordan. How far in advance was it booked? I think it seems pretty far in advance. Like they were originally, because in the beginning, Bill Glass was like, I don't want this kid. And now cut to, it's like April. And then all the inmates are like, yo, there's that guy, Michael Jordan. That's really cool. This reminds me of when I was a sophomore slash junior in college one of my very close friends grew up in seattle so he knew about this local rapper that people hadn't heard of called macklemore ah uh, yes <laughs> so he was coming to a very small room in houston that has standing room only maybe like 150 max capacity yeah. and this tour was booked before he became very popular so we bought tickets to see macklemore for 15 dollars. that's very good like six months in advance and then during that six month span thrift shop came out and my oh, college ate good. it up and i remember people freaking out oh my gosh macklemore's coming to houston i heard tickets are reselling for hundreds of dollars and you're like mm, and i, I like, bought them for 15 that's pretty much what it was i got to be front row it was really cool and then so. about six months later macklemore became not cool anymore <laughs> but we'll always have the time like he was the one artist where i got to be like that mm, i liked him before he was cool kind of thing i'm riding the wave now because like i've known about lizzo for like Five Since years where to now. hell my phone? Yeah. Well, no, but I knew it when she performed at Bonnaroo and I saw her and she's like, my friend who's from the Twin Cities was just like, oh yeah, like there's this, this cool girl who like makes her raps and plays like the flute. We're like, okay. So we went to the show and it was bananas. And that was just when Good as Hell came out and it was only attached to the beauty shop movie. Mm. And I was like, all right, yeah, she's legit. And I've seen Lizzo four times since then. Nice. And I'm just like, I've known Lizzo before everyone else. Mm -hmm. Ha ha. I also saw 303 on stage number 14 at Van's Warped Tour. <laughs> okay, that's just right, a good story. Right before they blew up. I was like, oh, that, that song's kind of funny. That's and why then, Mike never trusts Then they were telling everyone not to trust Hoes. <laughs> Wasn't, don't don't trust them. Wasn't the late 2000s a great time when you could have songs titled Don't Trust? Well, it wasn't. It was Don't Trust Me, but the chorus is Don't Trust a Hoe. And then the Black Eyed Peas were like, let's make a song called Let's Get Bleep. <laughs> and it's okay. Mike, just stop, stop trusting a hoe. All right. Here's the important part. This is why it's important uh, that Michael Jordan got the glow up. Because he was wearing fresh U.S. All-Stars warm-ups that he got at that time when he was blowing up. And he was wearing it at the show. Is Fresh US a brand or are you just Sorry, saying he, has... he was wearing fresh US All-Stars warm-ups. So he was like college. Like the I... All-American equivalent, but for basketball. That's what I'm thinking. Cool. Yes. 
Michael Jordan wasn't the only draw at this thing. They, like, used to bring, like, inspirational other athletes, pro wrestlers, all this other different entertainment. Bill Glass hired this guy named Mike Crane, who had a crowd-pleasing samurai sword show. And, of course, Mike Crane asks for volunteers. What a strange combo of, all right, what are we going to do? We got to go to a prison. We got to talk about Jesus. We're going to need a basketball player and a samurai. We've got it. Dang, set. Let it be, Lord Almighty. Next next multitude live. That's what we're doing. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We'll be reading from the book of Leviticus. And also Mike's going to get chopped in half. Yes, please. Down the middle vertically. (laughs) That's a good choice. So no one's exactly sure what happened next. Uh, Bill Glass says that Michael Jordan volunteered. Uh, Mike Crane says that he did not volunteer and he was peer pressured to do it. That sounds incredibly more likely. And Crane was the one who was trying to get him to do it because he's been doing this all over the world. So he's like, no, it's fine. 19 year old Michael Jordan, just come on over. It's chill. He also said toxic masculinity alert. He was hinting to Jordan that maybe he wasn't quite man enough to handle the job of human cutting board. Michael Jordan, of course, was like, fuck that. And then, of course, he stepped up to do it. Uh, Michael Jordan is the ultimate Marty McFly, where yeah. you just have to say, I bet you won't do this, and then he'll do it. And then he'll bet you a million dollars on right. it. But then also, the title of human cutting board, not great. If you're doing some sort of samurai show, you would think that the knives shouldn't be uh, actively hitting the human, which is what cutting boards do. They receive blows from a knife a human should never want to be a human cutting board at all well this is the entire act this samurai who's just like a white dude let's i want to point out just a white guy yes for all the samurais out there (laughs) he's just this white guy who has a samurai sword so michael jordan laid down on a uh, weight training bench then a watermelon was put on his stomach and the thing is was that the samurai was gonna cut up and down vertically cut vertically cut the watermelon and not hurt Michael Jordan. To quote the great poet, Randy Jackson, that's a no from me, dog. Oh, sorry, I didn't get to the worst part. What was that? He was blindfolded. The samurai? The samurai. For a second, I was like, I don't know how this changes. (laughs) (laughs) But then I put two and two together. So then Michael Jordan tried to get up and Crane held him down. Be like, no, we're doing this. So then he takes his sword back, slashes into it, and the blade traveled too far south of the melon, and it came down on the watermelon, and it glanced against Michael Jordan's hip. Oh, that's really bad. Because at the time, Michael Jordan was this skinny kid. Mm -hmm. So, like, his hip bone was right there, glanced again. The watermelon was then torn, but not severed. But the crowd was just like, oh, just, just keep going, just do it. Then the blade came down another time. He did more than one swing? He did another swing. And it came down on it. And Crane knew that from the audience reaction that he successfully divided the fruit. But White Samurai Man didn't know if Michael Jordan was okay or not. Because he's just like, oh, I'm blindfolded. I just, I got to work the crowd. But he didn't know if he was okay. The whack was in the right place. But Crane wasn't sure if he did too much pressure that would go into Michael Jordan's belly. They wiped away all of the juice and the melon and the seed that was now on top of Michael Jordan's white new fresh warm-ups. I don't know why he did it in the first place. Michael Jordan ruined his new clothes because someone called him not a man. Shout out to Toxic Masculinity. Michael Jordan looks down and he notices there's a tear in the fabric. He was fucking pissed. He screamed, look what you did, 19-year-old. What else do you do as a 19-year-old other than yell at someone and say, look what you did? Mm-hmm. I think we all did that when we were in college. When something that is insane is happening to you and you're like, why am I in this situation? <laughs> 
So then Michael Jordan's super pissed that his new jersey got messed up, but the samurai guy is like, hey, did I cut you? But they just they can't figure it out because Jordan's too pissed and he's running around and upset about the jersey. Oh, and watermelons are pink slash red on the inside. So yeah. if he had blood, it might have gotten mixed in with no, the juice and you can't tell. And Michael Jordan didn't really speak about the incident when he went back to his college dorm because he's 19 and a freshman. Jeepers. It seemed like Michael Jordan was cut by the blade. Mm -hmm. Wasn't so bad. It was mixed in with all the melon and shit. Okay. But ended up getting some stitches. And his friends were like, why did you do this? This didn't happen. And then he showed them the stitches. It's like, no, it did happen. And he's like, all of his friends were just like, why did you do that? Legend has it that Michael Jordan turned deeply spiritual when he came to realize how close to death he might have come. Uh, a code on this story is that Samurai Man was no longer a part of the evangelical routine. No way. And Samurai Guy says that he performed the watermelon trick 1,750 times and has cut 16 people. The quote is, that's not a lot. He's missed over 70 game-winning shots. Only mine are more costly. <laughs> that's incredibly that sucks (laughs) that sucks so much i hate this samurai man i hate this white samurai man so bad i really don't like him and i am very upset by him twisting michael jordan's motivational quote into something to try to discredit his abilities slash credit the samurai's abilities the story was written in 93 so it's like there's this 10 year time jump where he just needs to pull over his head did i almost kill michael jordan it's ridiculous also saying that it was what 16 people out of 1700 times yeah that's still i get that it is a small percentage (laughs) that's still not good numbers if you're going skydiving and the guy's like yeah i've done 10,000 jumps only like 50 people have died that's still too many. That's too many. That it's is too, too many, many for you to be doing this thing. <laughs> like, you if, don't need to do it on top of a person. I feel like if someone was going to do some sort of samurai sword demonstration to me, if they just put it on a stand instead of a human, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I more want to see the sword cut the fruit in a cool manner. I don't need the stakes to be raised of, I need this to be on top of a human and a famous human, please. I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding about what's cool about samurais. Which is... For let me clarify, not real white samurai. Not real. Not Here's real what's cool samurais. about them: nothing, <laughs> nothing is cool that you bought an expensive piece of equipment. But if you were to in fact have a samurai show mm-hmm. with an authentic samurai, yes, then I would want cool. I agree with you. I'd want cool cuts yes. of random things. Not it's not a magic show where someone is death-defying danger. Nah, you're not a magician. Like I would rather see fruit ninja in the flesh. Throw a pineapple right. up. Cut it in half before it hits the ground. That's way cooler than I chopped a watermelon in half on a dude laying down. I also think personal injury is much more exciting. Not like, I don't know, not exciting. To himself. To himself. Because, yeah, he's not putting himself at risk. He's putting nice volunteers at risk. But, like, if Michael Jordan, like, threw a spiked basketball at him and he cut it in half, that'd be sick. It's cooler to see someone who is doing a stunt be the person that they have to get themselves out of it. That's what makes things like Evil Knievel cool. It's like, he's doing it to himself. himself. And that's what's raising the stakes. But what if Michael Knievel? Way lower if it's somebody else. (laughs) What if Evil Knievel was like Michael Jordan? Get on his motorcycle. I'm going to drive a remote controlled car with you in it over the Grand Canyon. Scream! Gosh, that is wild. It's wild. The, Michael Jordan could have died as a college student. Mm-hmm. It would have been a tragic story right. in 82. He could have just died because he got goaded into being a part of this stupid white samurai act. And also, 
as part of an evangelical show in mm -hmm. a prison. Mm -hmm. None of this are good ideas. Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous. How would someone be able to help if it was a worse cut? Because like there, it's hard to get to the hospital. Right. I can only imagine that a prison in '82 doesn't have great medical facilities mm -mm. in Raleigh, North Carolina. Nope. So that's the story. This is a PSA to everyone. It's okay to say no. <laughs> Just, if you Peer pressure is bad. If you want, don't want to go to the same summer camp or FIBO championship. <laughs> Or everything else, just say just no. Just say no. It's okay. If someone asks you if you want to do some drugs and you don't want to do them, say no. If someone asks you if they can cut a watermelon with a samurai sword, run the fuck away. Just say no. And say no while you run. Say no to white samurai. Yes, that's the message here. There it is. And Michael Jordan didn't die, but he almost did. And, and that, that actually, actually happened. happened. <laughs> it actually happened. Oh, man. Well, that was completely ridiculous and wild. I'm so thankful you shared this with me. I also have been sitting on a three-on-three -three for I'm a very, very long time I'm because of the back-to-back. -back. This is one that I've wanted to do for a long time, and it took a lot of research. I had to watch a lot of really bad YouTube videos for this. Are you familiar with the ESPN program Sports Science? Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. It's like less than Bill Nye the Science Guy science. Right. So today, for three-on-three. -three, one, two, three. Three, two, one. Three-on-three. I will be doing the three most ridiculous premises done on sports <laughs> science and the three most ridiculous quotes from ESPN Sports Science. I love this. I also love, and we've talked about Mansers on this show before. This is just like one step above Mansers. Like it's not on Spike TV, so it's like a little bit more scientific. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited about this. Also, Eric is saying Mansers, not like a Manser of a particular craft. He is saying answers with an M in front of it to be Mansers. Man, man, man answers. answers. <laughs> but this is a show that is trying to be scientific. It's on YouTube, just search sports science. They have it for a lot of different sports. Usually the premise is they bring in a famous athlete and they will do one of two things. They will either have an athlete do something very ridiculous and highly specific, or they will have an athlete do what they are particularly good at. So like they've had Zach Levine come on and do dunks. They hook up all these weird medical things to them so they can gauge things like their speed and their force and all this stuff. And then they just make wild comparisons to things that make no sense at all. It feels like that 50% of the In the Club video from 50 Cent yeah. where you're just strapped to something for no reason mm -hmm. and 50's like, look how good I run. That's what's really fun is that this show was made and it started in the mid to late 2000s. So when things like motion capture and video games and all yeah. of these things like Nike Plus had these things you could put in your shoes and hook up to your iPod Touch and stuff like that. It was peak that. So all the players look very silly and they also have to put them in non-branded jerseys. So they have these weird silly jerseys that kind of look like the ones that they wear on the NBA court or the NFL court, but they're like sports science branded and it's very silly. I do want to say this is the only time I've ever been upset that we have a basketball podcast because <laughs> I know the football ones are so stupid. They're all wild. Because it's always like Marshawn Lynch is going to run through a concrete wall because <laughs> he has that much force. And I'm like, why would you make him do that? What's also fun is this, much like a lot of ESPN programs, has a very distinct way in which they say it. So every sentence that the host John Brinkin says goes something along the lines of, Eric Silver sits on a couch with such intensity that the cushion wants to die every time. Like, it's the strangest, just the I'm making an summer. audiogram of that because I need that for myself. <laughs> Shit, Mike. Mike Schubert scoops peanut butter with the veracity of a velociraptor from the Jurassic era. Every sentence is said this way, and it's like, who decided that this was the cadence that you need to speak? I want to be a scriptwriter on this thing. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna, ready. I need the yeah. examples. I so need them. I'm going to start first with the three most ridiculous scenarios that they put players in. And of course, these are all basketball related. 
So number three is one where they had Clay Thompson, very good three-point shooter and chocolate milk lover, shoot three-pointers with no lights on in the gym. So this <laughs> kind of makes sense because there is a basketball phrase like, oh, this guy shoots the lights out. But for Clay uh, Thompson, they were like, can he shoot with the lights literally out? So what were they trying to test? They were just trying to see, like, is he so automatic that he doesn't need a visual cue? Like muscle memory was the thing on, on display. Exactly. Okay. So they had him shoot a bunch of three-pointers with the lights on at different parts of the three-point line. And, of course, because he's a professional athlete and no one's playing defense on him, he hit, like, 80% <laughs> because it's not like he's Clay Thompson. That's what happens. Pro players, like, in practice, there's the thing where Steph Curry made, like, 72 three-pointers in a row or something. It's something wild that when you're not defended, it is very easy for these dudes to make shots. Something to keep in mind with basketball is a reason why these players shoot not as well from the field during a game as they do in practice is that six foot eight tall people are trying to block you while you're shooting. That's like kind of high stakes. The whole point of basketball is how far away can you throw, throw the ball into the basket and how tall are the men to keep the other people from doing that same. But they had Clay Thompson do this and he shot. It's very fun when they do the video because they switch from it being regular and then they have to film everything in night vision afterwards. Oh, so he looks like an animal on Discovery Channel where they're like, oh, night vision. We see the cheetah. I was just going to say it's like on a reality show where two people are hooking up. <laughs> so Clay Thompson is under a blanket and trying to shoot a three pointer. So they had him do it. And you want to know what Clay Thompson shot with the lights out? I don't know, like. 50%? 8 for 10. He That's, shot 80% wow. with the lights out, which is pretty impressive. That's the reason this was number three is that it was actually kind of cool, but it was still ridiculous, but it was kind of cool. So I had to drop it to third place. So second place, they had a couple people do things before an NBA draft. So before Lonzo Ball was in the pros. He rapped. <laughs> he, he rapped. Lonzo Ball rapped with the velocity of an F1 car about to start. Lonzo Ball can pass a basketball through a moving car. And it wasn't just a moving car. It was a Cadillac Escalade SUV with a two foot wide window traveling at 10 miles per hour. I can do that. I know you can. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the guys on Dude Perfect have done much harder versions of that. Yes. That's wild. Yeah, it's something where the Clay Thompson thing is impressive. Sure, he shot 8 for 10 with the lights out. We don't know how many times it actually did it. He may have done this a bunch of times, and his best set was 8 for 10. It's still impressive to do so. Yeah, and a definitely. regular human cannot do that. But, like, if you put me in front of a car moving 10 miles an hour, and you just keep telling me to throw a ball through two open take windows... Take a few takes, yeah. I'll get there eventually. But they do this whole premise, and, of course, the whole ball family is there. So oh, no. he's passing it to Leangelo. Okay. And Lavar is there. And it's very annoying because Lavar Ball is very annoying. But this is before he got paid off, right? Yeah. Got it. And it's just they have Lavar drive the Cadillac Escalade no! at 10 miles an hour just through their driveway. And then Lonzo throws it. And then they're like, wait, it's their driveway? Yes. <laughs> They went to his house. No, 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 oh no, 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 no. They went to Lonzo Ball's house. I was envisioning it was like an airstrip. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Nope. It is in their driveway. How? <laughs> it's really dumb. And for some of the sports science things they do, even when they're ridiculous, it's kind of impressive. They've had things where they had Kevin Love make a full court shot. 
the Clay Thompson with the Leita thing. The next thing I'm about to do, the number one most ridiculous. It's still kind of cool. This just isn't impressive. So they made this three and a half long minute video where they're like, if he threw the ball one mile an hour slower, it would have got stuck in the car. It's like, yeah, I could have guessed that. <laughs> like, that, I, yeah, that makes sense. Now, Mike, I do not have confirmation of this, but what if sports science has the same rule we have, which is that you have to be nice to kids who are under 22. <laughs> They tried to get Lonzo Ball to do stuff and he couldn't do anything else. So they're like, I don't know. Can you pass it through a car that's moving at 10 miles an hour? How big is your dad's car? <laughs> so that's number two. You ready for the most ridiculous one? I don't. Yeah. Did you know that Jason Tatum can dunk in a suit of knight's armor? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like you made this up for me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, so what are we? What? Are, hold on a second. I need to know, if we're doing science here, what's the hypothesis? Jason Tatum is strong enough to jump while wearing a suit of knight's armor? Basically, that's what it is. What the whole video ends up being about is that he jumps with a lot of force. Is it so much so that if he has a bunch of heavy stuff on him, he can still dunk? Right. So this was when he was still at Duke. He was not in the draft yet. He was approaching being in the NBA. And they had him just do some regular dunks and saw how high he jumped and with what force he jumped sure. and how wide he could cock his arm back and stuff like that. Then they just put some chainmail on him and he dunks and he's still like, okay. And then they put the full deal. It's not from the waist down. It's just the waist up, but he's got sure. like a full chainmail setup for his chest and the hood. He's got a helmet up there. He's got the full like breastplate and everything. And it's big and floppy. It weighs 65 pounds total. So like it is impressive, but he just does a dunk and he like barely dunks it, but he gets it. And then they're just like, yeah. <laughs> I have too many jokes for this. I don't. I need to figure out which one I want to pick. Uh, Jason Tatum is my new D&D character. <laughs> Jason Tatum isn't like known for dunks. No. I guess I get it because like he's strong and he's good at things. But like I just don't understand what this is necessarily pushing and what it says about Jason Tatum as a person. Like you got strong calves, bro. Jason Tatum's calves are so big it could bust out of three socks at the same time. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I do love this. I love it a lot. <laughs> so those are the three most ridiculous scenarios. But now we get into the three most ridiculous quotes i'm ready i'm so ready so as eric and i've been alluding to usually what happens is the typical lifespan of a sports <laughs> science video step. is they first will bring in a player kevin durant and they'll say kevin durant's really good at basketball he is this tall his wingspan is this wide and then they'll do some fun stats where his shot gets released in 0.3 seconds which is the fastest in the league or he's in the top five of crossover speeds stuff like that that actually is kind of cool right but that's the thing is like each it's supposed to display how a player is the best at doing the thing mm -hmm. which is why i don't understand that jason tatum won like jason tatum's great at jumping if nate robinson was on jason tatum's back <laughs> he'd still be able to dunk like I, that's like not a thing <laughs> But the problem with Sportsline's videos, they will have the player do one particular skill, usually that they're yeah. very good at. And then at the end, they try to do this quote to put things into perspective <laughs> by comparing it to something that is distinctly not basketball, which is not helpful at all. When they say things like Kevin Durant releases his shot at nine feet, two inches in the air, and Michael Jordan at his peak is only eight feet, eight inches tall when he's jumping and has his hands stretched out. That's kind of cool because you can think, ah, one of the greatest players and defenders in the game even at full extension, is four inches shorter than when Kevin Durant shoots. That is cool. But then they do some wild shit like this. So here's number three. Did you know that Kyrie Irving's behind-the-back dribble is so quick that it is three times the speed of a copperhead snake? 
When what is the, what is the contextual thing of this? <laughs> Does anyone know how fast a copperhead snake actually strikes? There's... And then if someone's watching him do behind the back, it's like, wow, that was really quick. I bet he could have gotten bit by a snake three different times before that happened. Like what? There's some diehard Phoenix fan who's living in the desert. And like, oh, that totally makes sense to me only. <laughs> Would you like to buy my turquoise jewelry? And also, what's very fun is just the way in which they say it, because John Brinkus always says it like it's the coolest, most important thing in the world. Here's the uh, copperhead snake one. Kyrie swings the ball behind his back at up to 21 miles per hour. That's about three times faster than the strike of a copperhead. <laughs> okay, the number, we've all driven a car. Like, yeah. <laughs> trying to contextualize. Like 20 miles an hour is fast. 21 miles per hour is yeah. very fast. You can't go, that's, Faster than a school zone. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> what's what's Ky funny? Wait, wait, Kyrie Irving is so fast in his crossover that he would get pulled over outside of Increase Miller Elementary School. That's better. What honestly this stat does is by saying that a copperhead snake strikes at 6.8 miles per hour. My thought is not, wow, Kyrie's fast. It's Man, snakes are kind of slow. <laughs> Kyrie's faster than a snake. Maybe Kyrie was right with all this conspiracy bullshit. But the other thing is, like, you should put it into perspective of some other sport. Like, sure. talk about how fast Usain Bolt runs. Something right. that is also sporty. This means nothing to me. It's something about humanity. The study of snakes is more obscure than the study of athletes. Right. It's just ridiculous. Also, copperheads, like, am I supposed to know that's fast? Like, I don't know where they just, live, It just asks me more questions. Are there other snakes that are faster or slower? Is this good? Like, they do I care? <laughs> here's the thing. Here's what bothers me about the script writing. They could have said Black Mamba because the, mm -hmm. we already have an association with that because mm -hmm. of Kobe. And we know that the Black Mamba is fast at running. The research team is like, oh, man, we have all these good ideas, but the math just doesn't add up. <laughs> the problem with me putting these together is sometimes when they make these comparisons, they're nice and they make sense. So I would be watching these looking specifically for him to say some dumb shit. And then when he said something smart, it's like, come on, John, I'm putting together a three on three. I need you to only say stupid things. So let's get into the second one. The second one is about Russell Westbrook. And it was all about the speed and force of which he plays. So a lot of the stats that actually made sense talked about his acceleration of running, the force at which he jumps, how hard he cocks the ball back to dunk, things that like actually have some sort of context. But then they rounded out with this. Russell Westbrook dunks with 720 pounds of peak force, which is the same as a five pound sledgehammer traveling at 30 miles an hour. <laughs> what the fuck, guys? You were so close at contextualizing this for me, and yet, it, and yet you totally missed the mark by putting in more unnecessary math. It's wild, and just listen to the way which it's delivered. Westbrook can hammer down on the rim with 720 pounds of peak force. That's about as much force as what's generated by a five pound sledgehammer swung at 30 miles per hour. And then the visual showed someone destroying a block of concrete with a sledgehammer. But you could have just said that's as fast as a sledgehammer destroying a block of concrete. Mm -hmm. Is a five pound sledgehammer 
useful? How much force does it take to break concrete? Do it I just, need to go back it, to physics A to figure this out? It just raises more questions than it answers. Because when you tell me this, my question is, is a five pound sledgehammer normal? Is that a heavy yeah. one? Is that a light one? Is 30 miles per hour normal? Do people usually swing harder? Is this just some weird bullshit? You don't have to be so specific because when you're this specific, it's hard. Like if you just tell me that it's what could break a certain material, that's kind of cool to be like, oh, if Russell Westbrook dunked on concrete with a brick, it would break the concrete. That would be That's cool. kind of cool. But to tell me that the force is equal to this incredibly specific thing, I don't know what that means. If, if Russell Westbrook was hired as a construction man, he wouldn't even need his own sledgehammer. He could just use dunks. That's kind of cool. Right? Oh, God. So we get into the most ridiculous one. And this one... I don't even know what to say except for just to play it and have you listen to this wild thing that they talk about right. our tall Greek friend Giannis Antetokounmpo. Okay, thank you. I was so I'm going to think about what is Giannis good at? Being big. Being big. <laughs> so what? Again, that's not a skill at being large. Like that's not we already know Giannis is tall. Like the thing with Kevin Durant is that he has a giant wingspan and that's interesting. But like Giannis is just a large man. Oh, he's not just a large man. This is great because when I was putting this together, my jaw dropped. I knew that it was gonna be dumb. I did not know it would be this absurd. And here's another freak fact. According to Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian Man, the classic study of human proportions, Adetto Kunbo's 12-inch handspan is fit for someone 10 feet tall. So if you didn't catch that, according to Leonardo da Vinci's ideals of what the proportions are for the Vitruvian Man, Giannis Antetokounmpo's hand span, which is not a thing, being 12 inches wide, is what should be, according to Da Vinci, who is really old, someone who is 10 feet tall. <laughs> Mike Schubert, Mike Schubert, Da Vinci, very old. Oh my god. So we, no, but that, okay, I'm gonna divide this into two ways why this is stupid. One, you need people who watch ESPN for fun during sports center hours to remember what the Vitruvian man is, mm -hmm. which is the, the, the guy who they looks like he's doing jumping jacks. Above it, okay, good. The guy who looks like he's doing jumping jacks. But then the second thing is that the Vitruvian man is supposed to demonstrate what the ideal human is, the Renaissance version and like the classic Greek version. But we already know that Giannis is bigger than the regular man. And just all NBA players have long limbs and they're like intentionally to be better at the sport have whack proportions. They're supposed to be large. Like we already know he's large. But we have to contextualize his largeness by saying that according to some really old Italian dude, he should be 10 feet tall, and not like, seven feet tall. <laughs> From just like Greek ideals of what men are supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. And, and, oh, that's also why he did it. Because it's based I hate you. Greek. I hate all this stuff. I hate everything about this. Oh my god. Because Giannis is Greek, we need to talk about old mythology. We need to talk about fucking oh my Jesus Christ. I don't even blame <laughs> Nate. Is that his name? What's it, Chris? John Brenkus? John Brenkus. I don't even blame John Brenkus. I blame the people who know better, the fucking writers and research team. Don't put this on the man who sounds like he, he's cousins with the guy from The Jump. Don't do that. I just, I'll, I really don't like how everything about Giannis needs to use the word freak. It's just like, he's a legitimate superstar now. Like, 
He's not the kid who says, oh, smoothies, wow. Like, can we move past this? See, the problem is, Eric, that freak rhymes with Greek, and Giannis is Greek. Oh, thus, no. he must be the Greek freak, and thus, we must always call him the freak. It's really stupid that they did this. It makes no sense. <laughs> so da Vinci, yes, he made great art. The Vitruvian Man is kind of cool. He made up cool inventions and stuff. He's not like a legit scientist. It's like, yeah, it's ideas about what, like ancient Greek ideas and the golden ratio and all that stuff. But like, what are we even doing? What are we doing here? Why? This is science. <laughs> this is like saying... Like, see, you know, like, uh, I, I can't remember what the word is, but, you know, it's that idea that different parts of your brain control different things mm -hmm. and you have a bigger part of your brain, which is like uh, eugenics bullshit, right. first of all. But that's saying, like, Giannis's brain <laughs> is 33% basketball. <laughs> You're using not even it's not even science anymore. No. Because, like, the other ones were at least science. Like, that's physics, and they were trying to find comps for physics. Like, the Sledgehammer one, literally, I think I took that on the AP physics. It is That's a physics, physics problem. It's silly and doesn't make any sense in context. But it is still physics. This is just using something that was really old that we don't still use today. Pseudoscience. Like, you don't, you don't do look it. at people now and you're like, wow, this person's really hot. Ah, yes, their proportions are really uh, close to the Truvian ideals. Yo, that golden ratio, fucking hot. <laughs> like, no one's talking about Ryan Gosling being like, yeah, it's really hot. Those ratios, am I right? Yeah, those ratios. It's like that meme where you put the, the spiral on top, yeah. of, on top of Giannis. It's like, he's too big for the for the spiral. I'm going to create so many memes of putting that on top of basketball players. It just doesn't fit. It's not funny. Oh, Jesus Christ, Mike. So, yep, those are the three most ridiculous situations and three most ridiculous contextual quotes of ESPN's sports science. I think these two segments that we did brought the most amount of joy from the other in our yes. entire episode. <laughs> it's really good. It's 100% true. <laughs> it's just like, I got you with a story you didn't know, which is, I think, your favorite thing. Mm -hmm. And you got me with me just finding the bullshit in the scripting. <laughs> <laughs> like the writing. I'm upset at the writing. Oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> Let's hit the credits before we melt. Let's do golden ratios. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Eric Silver and Mike Schubert. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. The art is by Allison Wakeman. The music is by Bettina Kapamanis. And the website is by Kelly Beck. Special thanks to our producer-level patrons, Brianne Wingate, Berger, Skylar Jorgensen, Glider Invader, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, Akano, Cody Powell, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, James Harden went to Arizona State, Hufflepuff Hillary, Samantha Rose, Catherine Lee, Polly Burridge, and the programming team at ESPN. Mm-hmm. I also want to give a quick shout-out to the person who is a patron over at Potterless that made their name Harry Potter went to Arizona State. That's very good. <laughs> That's multitude for you. I'm trying to think of a, of a sports science thing for this. Our Instagram is so has so many likes. It could be equal to the way that people like chocolate ice cream. Mm -hmm. Social media. So I find us on social media. You can find us at Horse Hoops on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at Horse underscore Hoops on Twitter because, as we say every episode, it's because Horse Hoops made a tweet that was so racist that it could have taken over the Third Reich in 15 seconds. God damn it. <laughs> That's not us, because Horse Hoops was banned. Oh, I guess they said it. <laughs>
our website is horsesoups.com, which is all of our research and the visual stuff you didn't see because this is a podcast. Go watch the fucking sports science. We can only do it so much justice. Please go on a YouTube deep dive. And if you want to see some bonus content, you can head on over to patreon.com slash horsehoops, where we do things like overtime, just talking about basketball outside of the confines of the episode, turning three on threes into five on fives. Get ready for the extra sports science shit that I get to put in. <laughs> and you can check all that out at patreon.com slash horsehoops. Multitude is such a good collective that Eugene Debs went forward in time to look at how we work together and then use that as the way to demonstrate unions and working together. <laughs> Multitude is an audio collective, uh, and we're together in Orlando at Podcast Movement, and we got to talk about a lot of cool things together, and we're so happy to have met everyone who did the thing. That is Spirits, that is Joining the Party, that is Potterless, that is Waystation, that is Head Heart Gut, and that is Us Horse. You can find us on the internet at Multitude.Productions. You can find us on Twitter at Multitude Shows. And you can join the Multicrew at Multicrew.Club. And as we're on at every episode, we're going to put our hands in the middle and say something on the count of three. There's so many different things we could say in sports science, but I think we should just say the Korean ideals like on the that. count of three. I wanted to say White Samurai, but I'm giving... I don't know if I want to say that. I don't. Okay, so one, two, three. Vitruvian ideals! Because he's Greek, and this is similar to that idea. Yes, I don't he is things. a freak. He should be 10 feet tall, according to some old guy. And he likes to eat leeks. And he is not meek. Mm-hmm. And he's not a bird, so he does not have a leek. But he does seek to dunk. 